2: Good Game Nice Try Well hey and welcome back to another episode of Good Game Nice Try. We made it! Uh well it's Friday. How are we feeling? How is your week?
3: Uh, you know, what do you what have you been up to this week? What's going on out there in the big bad OMG? It's Firefox with 2X's world.
2: Uh, you know, I, I held a breath the entire time you were saying that so I could give like the most just expressive sigh.
3: <laughs> You're like Tom Cruise. You can hold your breath for six minutes because I talk a lot.
2: Is that a fact? It is. That's a known Tom Cruise fact?
3: Yeah, I know too much about Tom Cruise. <laughs> He's kind of like Nathan Drake. He's kind of like Uncharted. He's He is trying to be a video game protagonist. The dude is just dying <laughs> to be made out of pixels, you know, like... He's just like, yeah, for Mission Impossible, I don't know, the one where he's underwater, you know, it's like, and that he held his breath for six minutes.
2: That's a game it's, in and of itself.
3: I'm kind of shocked they haven't done a Mission Impossible video game. I'm
2: going to be Or just honest. a Tom Cruise simulator.
3: Yeah, Right. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, so here are the things you do, right? Yeah. You hold your breath for six minutes, mm-hmm. and it's like it uses the mic and the controller so it can really tell <laughs> if you're breathing or not, like Alien Isolation.
2: It knows, it knows if you're actually holding your breath. Yeah,
3: it can hear that. Because in Alien Isolation, you could turn that on, right? So the alien can hear you in real life. And it's like Wait, the worst what? thing. Oh, I didn't dude. know that.
2: Wait, is that on like PS5? Well,
3: I think, it. I, yeah, I played it on, well, I played it on PS4. I haven't played it on PS5 yet.
2: I didn't know the controllers could do that on PS4.
3: It is literally horrifying. But yeah, so anyway, What's another level that would be uh, for the Tom Cruise simulator?
2: Well, you have to be able to balance on, uh, like, eight-inch platforms.
3: Oh, now, wait, wait, is this a short joke because he's short? It might be. Okay, all right. It might be. That's low. Um, I, I think you have to hold on to the side of a plane, right? He did that in Mission Impossible. hmm um, I think when you run, you have to throw your arms real high up above your head because he <laughs> runs like... <laughs>
2: That's great. And you get style points. It's almost like a like a DDR, like a DDR yeah. simulator thing. You yes. get style points for creativity, yep. creative expression. I like that. We're really onto something.
3: I'm thinking this is VR, right? Let's just say it. It's, it's gotta be. It's gotta be VR. VR
2: Tom Cruise Simulator.
3: And then uh and then of course, oh my god, of course this is the thing. You wanna talk about DDR? Mm-hmm. Gotta dance in your tidy whiteies. <gasps> Risky business.
2: You know what? I think we've we've come up with some really good ideas so far. But ultimately, if we just scrap this whole thing and just make it a solely DDR VR yep. Tom Cruise game. That's right. That's it.
3: It's DDR VR TC, I think is what it should be called. <laughs> you know, TC VR DDR <laughs> is what we're looking at. We need and then, more uh, and then it's also you solve crime. So it's SVU. I think it's TC VR DDR SVU. And that's really it.
2: BRB gonna play SVU. <laughs> S- 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 no. <laughs>
3: BRB, got to play TCVR, DDR, SVU.
2: Nailed it. I'm never going to be able to say
3: <laughs> I think on my deathbed, the last things I'm going to say is just like,
2: TCVR, DDR, BRB. That's your, that's your rosebud.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Oh, and Jen said there's a Mission Impossible game for Nintendo 64 from 1998. We should play that game. Oh, no. Jen, are there any photos or anything of it that you're looking at?
2: I mean... Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> Ring, ringing Not very confident. <laughs> yeah. The catchphrase is "expect the impossible." <gasps> okay. So if that doesn't sell it, I don't know what will. <laughs>
3: yeah, the thing is, like, if you're expecting the impossible, it's way less cool.
2: Yeah, because you've already you've set your yeah. bar. You're expecting it. Yeah, you know? exactly.
3: But I think I'm very I'm very much looking forward to TCVRDDRSVU. I think it's going to be I think it's a winner that expect he does expect do the it.
2: impossible. Yes.
3: Uh, Very excited today because I am, as you know, Sonya, a huge comic book fan. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh,
3: And our guest today, this dude created one of the craziest, biggest, most well-known comic books of all time, The Walking Dead, uh, which of course became an incredible AMC series series called The Walking Dead Uh, and his new show also based on another comic book of his uh, his new show called Invincible uh, premieres today on Amazon Prime it is fantastic it stars our good friend Stephen Young who's unreal and so talented and look this is it was a pleasure talking to this guy today please enjoy our interview with the one and only Robert Kirkman Robert Kirkman, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my goodness. This is a, uh, a huge, huge pleasure. Uh, now, Invincible is on Amazon today. Yes. And I'm a huge fan of the comic book. So I, uh, for people out there who uh, maybe have not heard of Invincible, how would you describe the show?
4: Uh, Invincible is the story of Mark Grayson who is your average uh, everyday American teenage boy and uh, his father just happens to be the greatest superhero who's ever lived uh, who's named Omni-Man and he kind of grows up in his father's shadow and uh, kind of uh, is told that at some point he may inherit his father's powers and so he kind of has deified his father and looked up to this uh, like world of superheroes that he inhabits and has always wanted to be a part of it his entire life and uh, as the series picks up he's getting his powers, and he's getting what he's always wished for, and it's not going to go the way he thought it was going to go. So uh, he, he finds out that superheroes are, uh, you know, a little darker and a little scarier and a little, a little more dangerous than he thought, and uh, he he may or may not be prepared for such things.
3: What I love about Invincible is it feels very. Look, I love Spider Man. Obviously, Spider Man is amazing. I, I know yeah. you do as well. He's
4: amazing, spectacular. It's it's he's the best.
3: Yes. But Invincible, it always, felt, always rang more true to me because it has that big, great, beautiful thing we love about superheroes. But I feel like with Spider-Man, I always kind of felt like that's not exactly how I would act. And like I feel like people with villains with giant powers wouldn't exactly pull their punches in that way. And Invincible, I love it because... It just feels like I could connect more with Mark Grayson and that world than I kind of could with a lot of these Marvel superheroes.
4: Uh, I I like to say that Invincible you know, we're cheating when we make our superhero stories because we have the hindsight of 80 years yes. of superhero storytelling and we're able to use that and manipulate it uh, to our whims. And so, you know, I'm a huge fan of Spider-Man and we have, you know, I, I think it was the 60s, so what is it, 100 years of Spider-Man stories? I'm not great at math. <laughs> a few years. Yeah, something like that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're able to take all of this, like, history – and all of these expectations that you get from superhero stories and kind of, uh, you know, bend away from them and, and uh, you know, lull the audience into a false sense of security, thinking they're going to expect superhero A and supervillain B to fight and for the outcome to be kind of like the 4,000 other superhero fights they've seen in comic books and movies and TV shows. And, and we do things uh, differently which I think, uh, you know, makes our characters, uh, you know, slightly more human and slightly more imperfect. In the way that the Marvel heroes debuted in the 60s and gave comics a different light compared to DC characters that were created in the 30s, Invincible is kind of another natural progression of that where we're like, well, actually superheroes might work this way. And, you know, they're just normal people that could be doing this. And, you know, it's a lot of
2: fun. It feels like, you know, between 144 issues, it feels like you have this giant sandbox of just incredible moments and incredible... Fights and story arcs and everything that you can kind of play within. Yeah, no,
4: I mean, it's a lot of fun. I mean, Invincible started because Corey Walker, the co-creator, and I uh, were invited to participate in Image Comics' new superhero universe. They had an initiative to bring uh, new superheroes into comics because they noticed they hadn't published superheroes in a while. And so we (laughs) sat down and we were like... So we're going to do a superhero comic, like let's figure out a way to have every single thing that we love about superheroes fit into one book. And so we want to have the cosmic battles and we want to have the earth battles and we want to have, you know, all kinds of different aspects of thousands of different superhero comics that we've enjoyed over the years, uh, you know, represented in some way. So in, in a lot of ways, Invincible is everything that you could have ever wanted from a superhero story, like boiled into one thing. So I'm really excited about that.
3: What are some things that you feel like when you were putting together the show from the comic that you are most excited about that you kind of couldn't really do so much in the
4: comic books? I mean, the biggest obvious one is like hearing the voices and seeing the things move in motion. Mm Um, I mean, that changes so much. You know, let's talk
3: about the voice cast a little bit. You know, Steven Yeun, sure. who's amazing. Uh, J.K. Simmons, of course, as Omni-Man. And by the way, I saw him working on it. This is such an L.A. story. But I saw him uh, working out in a gym once, and he's ripped. <laughs> yes. He's like a superhero <laughs> in real life.
4: <laughs> I don't want to blow up his spot or anything, but uh, he would bike to the recording sessions. So he would show <laughs> up in sweats, uh, uh, you know, on his bicycle and just be like, just absolutely... You know, you're just like, damn, like this guy, this guy could totally like uh, swing that bike around and knock my head off with it or something This is crazy. Good for him. He can be a very intimidating person in performances. I will say in real life, he is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. But when you don't know him and he shows up in a sleeveless shirt having biked across LA (laughs) and he's like, which room? This one over here? You're like, hey, look, wherever you want to go, man. Whatever whatever you want to do. It's it's all good.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And of course, I mean, Mark Hamill. I mean, how was it to work with Mark Hamill? He's and and just I mean, not even Star Wars, but also Joker, just all the voice work he's done has been incredible as well.
4: Let's just say certain people uh, who had not been to uh, recording sessions showed up to certain recording sessions with things that they would have liked autographed. Um, <laughs> and, and, they, and they got autographed, but I was kind of in the back going, oh my God, I can't believe we're doing oh. this. This is crazy. Uh, but, uh, but no, the, the Mark Hamill recording sessions were, were legendary, and, and, and rightly so. And uh, uh, he plays uh, Art Rosenbaum, who is a uh, superhero tailor who makes all of the costumes. And uh, he's a really cool character. And uh, I got to, like, actually sit down. And, you know, Mark was like, I can do the voice like this. I can do the voice like this. I can do the voice like this. And I was like, I cannot wow. believe this is happening right oh, now. Wow. this God. is so <gasps> And you're looking at Luke Skywalker the whole time, which is, it's like you're talking to the guy who does the Joker and <laughs> a thousand other amazing voices, but you're looking at Luke Skywalker and your, your brain is going... You just you're talking, Luke Sky looks. It's Luke Skywalker right now. It's, uh, it's totally <laughs> Luke Skywalker. And you just boring. want to look at him it's and go, so Luke, "I love you so much. Oh my god!" But instead, you're like,
2: you know, that sounds pretty good.
4: Yeah, I think that that's that's kind of what I was thinking for the character. That's really uh, that's a really good choice there, Mark. <laughs> uh,
2: internally busting at the seams. Bust- yeah, no, I could have I could have died in that moment and would have been like, "Yeah, it's all worth it." Um,
3: Let's talk a little bit about Skybound, because I think it's just it's so fantastic just as a creator to be able to get to the level where you can, like Sonny was saying, get on all these different platforms. You, You know, having shows, having comics, having all these other things and now having games. Talk a little bit. If you could talk a little bit about why you decided to. Uh, start Skybound and what it kind of means to you to be able to kind of play around in the gaming space.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, Skybound was kind of, it was started by, uh, you know, my business partner, uh, David Alpert and I. And, uh, uh, you know, when Walking Dead happened, we had the tremendous opportunity to control a large portion of Walking Dead licensing. And I did not have the bandwidth to do any of that because I was writing Walking Dead comics and working on The Walking Dead show. And so I was like, you know, this <laughs> yeah. is an opportunity I don't want to go to waste, but, uh, you know, we should really, uh, you know, do something with this. And so we formed our little skybound company. And uh, it was basically begun to kind of shepherd, uh, you know, any kind of Walking Dead stuff into the world. And so we would make, you know, we started out small and we would make T-shirts and lunch boxes and posters and, and things like that. And, you know, more and more we would make things and, and we would figure out how you do different license and merchandising stuff. And then we would start bringing it in-house. And that process made the company kind of grow and grow. Eventually, we partnered with Telltale to do the, uh, the Walking Dead uh, Telltale game. And uh, through that experience and, and being able to, you know, work with them to shape the game and, and craft Clementine's story to make it as authentic a, a Walking Dead experience as possible, we kind of built a philosophy where it was like, okay, so, you know, we're kind of in the center of this Walking Dead storm where there's this very popular comic book, very popular TV show and very popular game. And uh, it's somewhat unique in that I had, gotten the opportunity to be uniquely involved in each aspect of it. So, you know, I wasn't coming in going, hey, I know how to make TV shows. Here's how this is done. You know, like the people at AMC, the various executive producers, all these people were TV experts. And I was able to, you know, as a dumb comic book writer from Kentucky, uh, you know, like be in the writer's room full time and have a voice and be able to speak up and be an executive producer and be on set and, you know, be looking at costumes and things like that. Uh, And I was able to like add a level of, you know, authenticity to that just because, you know, I was there from day one with Walking Dead and we were able to do the same thing with Telltale's Walking Dead where, you know, I didn't know how to make video games. I didn't know anything about video games. I'd never even played a video game. No, that's not true. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, I was able to go, you know what? The, the the main goal of a Walking Dead game should be to make people cry, you know? And that kind of became the the ethos behind that game. Um, and by the way, I played it and it did. I mean, that oh. was that game was great. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's really one of the, you know, people say like, well, I like the Walking Dead Telltale game better than any other Walking Dead thing, and a lot of people are like, that must really, uh, you know, make you make you die inside a little, Robert. Like that's you know, because they're not they're not saying they love the comic more, and it's like, no, 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 that like shows the strength of the Walking Dead brand and and what it is that Walking Dead there can you. be that audience members can come in through the video game, and that video game is to them, the core Walking Dead thing. You know, like like when you look at Star Wars, it's like, you know, the Star Wars movies are the core Star Wars thing and everything else is secondary. They've never done a Star Wars game that necessarily like replaces the Star Wars movie in in people's minds. And so to be able to accomplish something like that on Walking Dead, I think is is an amazing feat. So that's kind of what we're doing.
3: I love the game. And again, it's one of these things where, I started with the comic book very early on and so huge fan, love the show. Um, But the game was, you know, games and Sonny and I talk about this a lot on this podcast. They are a proactive form of entertainment. You are the person. And so it's very, it can be very visceral. And I think that's one thing that really caught me off guard with the Walking Dead game because like it is a different Thing because you have such an emotional connection to the character you're playing because it's like oh I screwed up even in a fighting game even in a fighting game you know you know yeah, yeah. you make a wrong move and you're angry you know it's like
4: have you ever rage quit by the way have you ever gotten so angry you'd thrown <laughs> your controller oh my gosh uh, yeah absolutely I mean I uh, <laughs> I love Final Fantasy two and I love Final Fantasy three and uh, uh, played through all both of those games and then Chrono Trigger came out. And uh, Chrono Trigger was like, it was like, uh, uh, I can't remember the exact function. It's been many years, but I think it's like you could play it like three or four different times and get a different experience. Like they had given it different endings that would happen if you did different things. And so I was like, I'm going to play this game like 17 times. This is so exciting. (laughs) And I feel like I was like 25, 30 hours into the game. I don't remember exactly what, but many, many hours. And my little brother, who's five years younger than me, got on to my saved game and played for, like, three hours one day while I was out at work or something. And uh, and I came back and was like, all right, got to get back into Chrono Trader. Turn oh. it on. And I'm like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what's oh. going on. I have no idea what's happening. And, uh, oh, my God, I was so mad. And then, you know, like parents at the time, <laughs> I'm just like, no, but he like, he played my game. And they're like, yeah, I don't care. The game's like, yeah, still there. Okay. And I'm like, no, but it's a story. And he went through my story. <laughs> and now I don't know where I am. And he ruined, and I played it for so many hours. And they're just <laughs> like, none of what you're saying makes any sense to me. You like, sound you like a moron. It. Will you please stop crying? And uh, (laughs) I'm getting upset just talking about it now. But uh, I never played the game again. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it, I'm out. Because I I would have had to start over at the beginning (laughs) to get those three hours back. And I couldn't just play through with this like gap in my experience. I think there were like different people in my group and I didn't know, (laughs) I was like, who is this person? I don't know what's going on. Oh, so mad, Uh, so mad. Oh, Oh. what a betrayal. Yeah, it's the worst. But no, I don't. I, you don't rage quit games these days, in my opinion, because most video games these days are easy. You know, like oh, uh, no, I, I, no, 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 no. It's not. No, here's <laughs> what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Like, like, uh, uh, you know, like, I'm a big fan of Destiny. I played Destiny. I played Destiny Two. Like, I got to go through this cave and I got to kill this dude. Okay, <laughs> if that's a game on a Nintendo. I go through the cave, I die, I have to start the game over to get to that cave again before mm-hmm. I can try it. But in yeah. modern games, it's like, well, you know, we're gonna, you know, take the last three minutes of your life and undo those and, uh, you know, you get to try again. And it's like, you know, you try it more and more and you get through it and then, then, you, then you, you know, you go through the cave, you kill the guy. Uh, uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is the gamers today are pampered. They don't
3: know <laughs> what it's like. I agree. Back in the day... There's no power up. You just got to
4: get better. You have to power yeah. yourself up. I think there are five people on the planet who have completed a Mega Man game in its entirety. <laughs> just five. It's punishing. I've played every Mega Man game. I don't think I have finished any of them because you get like <laughs> nine guys, or I think there's total nine guys. Then you, 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 you get to Doctor Wily,
2: and you're like, I, I, I don't know how to do
4: this. This is this is killing me. It's killing me.
2: It's a little more punishing. A little more punishing. It does feel a little more a little more hand holding now.
3: I think one of the reasons for that, honestly, is now games can tell better stories. You know, yes. and so I think like. You know, we talk about The Last of Us and The Last of Us, you know, being this great game that's telling this very emotional story of kind of redemption. Uh,
4: Fun fact, I have bought Last of Us three times and I have yet to play it (laughs) because I I, I love the Uncharted games. I have a great story about Uncharted, but uh, uh, I love the Uncharted games and and I've been dying to play Last of Us. And I keep buying it and I'm like, I'll have a weekend where I'll just play it all the way through in one weekend. And then that mysterious mm-hmm. weekend never comes. <laughs> right, and, uh, right. and then they update it. It's like, I bought it for PlayStation 3. And then, and then it's like, oh, I'll get that PlayStation 4 version now. Yeah. Cause I'm now I'll play it on PlayStation 4. I'll have this weekend <laughs> one time and, uh, and it never. It never happens.
2: You're already putting money into The Last of Us 2, into the future. You're, they're putting out The Last of Us 3. You're putting money down on that. You've got three games under your belt and, and zero hours put
3: in. That's how I feel about Uncharted. Like, I need to play Uncharted. Like,
4: have you played all the Uncharted's through? So I had heard that Uncharted was a great game. And yes. I buy Uncharted. And uh, I had a PlayStation 3. I, I rarely get time to play games. And this is, you know, many, many years ago when Uncharted One. I think Uncharted 2 was already out. Or was coming out, so I buy Uncharted mm-hmm. one, and I have a. Uh, I think my son at the time, who is, uh, I I want to say he's like two somewhere around there. I don't know if that timeline's okay. working out, but he's he's a very young <laughs> kid, and so he uh uh he gets the he gets the flu, and he is very sick. And what happened when our kids got the flu was they wouldn't really sleep in their crib because they'd get, you know, they'd wake up and they'd be screaming all night long. But if you sit in a recliner and you put them on your chest, they would sleep the whole night because as they're adjusting, you just kind of shimmy under them and then keep them comfortable and keep them asleep. And so – I sat in my, in my uh, recliner, and I turned on Uncharted, and we, I was in the basement at the time, and so, so I'm in this dark basement. I got the kids sleeping on me, and uh, uh, it's bedtime, so it's like 7.30 or whatever. He's like a kid, and so I start Uncharted 1. I'm like, all right, I'm going to play like a couple hours of this while I'm dealing with this little brat, oh. and so I got the controller in my hand. I got the baby on my chest, and I'm just playing just playing. Aww. And it's just like, you know, story, story, you're on the boat, you're killing the people. You just, you know, finding <laughs> coins, whatever the hell you doing on chart. Right. I'm, I'm climbing up walls <laughs> and jumping and stuff. And, and like, I would take bathroom breaks and be like, Oh, oh I got to go to the bathroom real quick. And then I'd take the kid in there, you know, and then go to the bathroom <laughs> and then come back and sit back in the chair and I'd play. And, uh, and at a certain point I go, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting tired. I you know it's 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 probably like midnight or so. Like I'll I'll go put this kid in the crib and and then I'll go I'll go to bed and, and get some sleep. And you know, if he wakes up, you know, I'll let my wife deal with it. I've dealt with this kid enough, like whatever. <laughs> and I go up the stairs of my basement and I open the door and it is 8 a.m. the next day. The sun <gasps> oh, oh, is up. Oh, oh. And like, and I have played <laughs> through like what is that, like 12, 13 hours of oh uncharted number one? <laughs> Like, I had almost played through the entire game in one sitting. And uh, and I think I chipped away at it, like, a little bit and finished it. And then my daughter, who was three years younger than my son, got the flu when she was the same age. Later and I was so excited. I was like, like yes. Uncharted
0: Two. Let's, <laughs> <go. laughs> yes. Let's go. Let's go.
4: That's oh, and I, I think that. I got through maybe like eight or nine. I didn't I didn't quite get through the night with that one. Uh, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I played I played like a good song. so you know, Uncharted Three, I think I got through just on my own because my kids were older. I was I was looking for kids to babysit that maybe had the flu. Like, so that I could get Anyone sick, of them. just <laughs> checking in, uh, I can walk yeah. Any, yeah, any of your yeah. friends, kids
3: yeah. like, hey guys, happy to babysit. Uh, a lot more Uncharted games. Thief's End <laughs> yeah, just and came Uncharted out, yeah. 4
4: is sitting on a shelf <laughs> with Last of Us waiting for this magical weekend where I can get through both of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, my life is no fun. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> it sounds pretty no, fun. It sounds I mean, you're pretty playing, good. Playing a lot of Uncharted, it sounds pretty it's fun. not. It's not bad.
3: I would love to see you, you have such a, a great brain and such a, a unique brand of of amazing storytelling take on kind of a an uncharted I would love to see like an Indiana Jonesian sort of Robert Kirkman take. I think could be really fun. So maybe uncharted nine or whatever they're on. maybe that's that's you're <laughs> gonna write that one, you know Wouldn't that be great? Maybe
4: one of these days writing a video <laughs> game is uh, I think it's like writing 15 movies. I don't think people realize how difficult game writing is. Uh so uh I don't have the uh the energy or stamina for something like that. <laughs> um I, I will leave that to the professionals. Maybe just the outline. You
3: just you just drop in the uh from or <laughs> Nope.
4: <I think> <laughs> that's <laughs> the hardest part. Yeah. Man.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places.
3: I will say one thing, you know, uh, getting back to Skybound for a second, you guys are coming out with the Callisto protocol, which yeah. looks awesome. Like Sonia and I were watching that trailer and just commenting how, how beautiful it looks and how
4: fun. unreal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, totally unreal. No, it's really great to be a part of that game. Uh, I know uh, uh, Dan Murray at Skybound uh, brought that project to us and was like, "Yeah, we could, you know, we could partner with these guys and you know make this game." And I was like, "This stuff looks like absolutely spectacular." And yeah. you know, I love Dead Space, so I think it's going to be a really great game.
3: And and again, being such a horror nerd, it's rare that I can get that I, anything actually scares me because you know you get to that point where you're just super jaded and you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," but Callisto <laughs> Protocol, I'm like. This is horrifying. I don't uh, know. Yeah,
4: I have an good authority that it is going to be an absolutely terrifying (laughs) game. (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
2: One thing I I appreciate about Skybound, too, and about Skybound Games, you going back on, uh, you work to empower a lot of indie developers, too. And just empowering the space and empowering creators. You've been doing Skybound Expo. And you had Crater Fest, which is really yeah. cool, um, which is incredible. You were celebrating craters, uh, Black History Month, cosplayers, and just highlighting a lot of people in the space. Uh, for somebody who I I'm assuming is no stranger to conventions, yeah. <laughs> no stranger to cons and panels and everything, uh, how was it, you know, being able to uh, host that space for people and and to empower even more people in the space?
4: Well, I mean, it's great. Anytime I can use uh, Skybound's platform to, uh, you know, shine a light on, you know, any aspect of fandom that you know needs a a light shined on it is very exciting. Uh, You know, I love going to conventions. Uh, I love meeting the fans. Uh, I hate the pandemic. I'm going to be the first one to come out and say that I did not have a good 2020. I did not enjoy this year. You know, I don't care how controversial
2: that is. Uh, uh, That's a hot take. You know what? You know what? It sucked. I'll do it. I'll say it. He's someone had to. Someone said it. But that said,
4: I get to go to conventions from my couch now? Like, <laughs> what? I think that's right. the only good thing about it. I mean, I love this guy Expos. I, you know, even when I'm not on screen, I'm on YouTube watching the stream going. I I like and and the other thing is at conventions I don't get to go to panels because I'm usually like on panels. Or, you know, doing interviews or signing autographs or, you know, eating lunch and then eating a second lunch or whatever happens. (laughs) Uh, And so, uh, uh, so I don't, you know, I get, I miss everything. And so Mm -hmm. now with these virtual conventions, it's like, oh, yeah, I get to, you know, watch this new trailer and get to see these actors talk. And, you know, it's, it's great to be able to actually experience a convention in a way that I, you know, haven't been able to in, let's call it, real life.
2: Yeah. Not only can you be a part of it, you can experience it. And wear sweatpants the entire time, and it's (laughs) maybe a little less weird than it would be in real life. But
4: right before the pandemic, I had a a bunch of events where I had to wear suits, and um, I do not enjoy wearing suits. Uh, Every time I wear a suit, I feel like I'm in prison because I don't ever (laughs) wear suits. Like it's just like I'm like that little kid that goes to the wedding and is like, I can't, I don't feel like I can move, and you know. And uh, uh, so I was like, you know what, you know what, I'm a writer. And I make my own schedule and I mostly work in my home office and I'm just, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to buy like a dozen pairs of sweatpants (laughs) and I'm just going to wear sweatpants anytime I want. Fully embrace it. (laughs) And this was like a month before the pandemic. I also had to do a bunch of things. And, you know, monkey's paw kind of thing, like I may have caused the pandemic because I go to my (laughs) wife and I go, you know what? I just wish I was on house arrest for a year. These are words I actually said out loud in February of last year. I just, (gasps) I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to get some work done and be in the, I just, (laughs) I I could do house arrest for a year. And she looks at me and goes, you're crazy. You could never do house arrest for a year. You would go crazy. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. I'd love it. It'd be the best (laughs) thing in the world to happen to me. If I knew there was a law I could break where I wouldn't get in too much trouble and I just get house arrest for a year, I'd go do it because I would love to be on house arrest for a year. And she's like, "You're nuts." And then like a month later, I'm like, "What? What's happening?" What? <laughs> but I did buy all these sweatpants, and so I'm like, "Well, these are these are going to get uh, 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 some use." And then every now and then I have to go somewhere and I have to put on my old my old blue jeans. You guys You're remember like, those? Oh uh, like, yeah. What is this? And and I'm like, my blue jeans now feel like I'm wearing a suit. <laughs> no. <laughs> what happened? No. Now I'm in prison and I'm just wearing a suit and shoes that aren't slippers. (laughs) Like I put on my old shoes and my feet are like, what are you doing to me? What's going on? Why why are we in here? When do we get out? It's the worst.
2: It's the worst. I love the combination between verbalizing that and then the purchase of the sweatpants and then the monkey claw closes by one. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's all my fault, guys. I'm sorry. I'm very Sorry. I think it's confirmed that
3: we're all living in Robert Kirkman's simulation. <laughs> I think that's what you just confirmed for us. That's this what is we've all, come
4: to. This is all you. But I just want—I just want to put on the record, just in case my wife's going to listen to this. Uh, she was right. Being on house arrest for a year blows. It's you know <laughs> no fun at all. I, I was wrong.
2: That's right. <laughs> perfect.
3: Well, Mr. Kirkman, we like to end every podcast with. The best game and the worst game. Okay. So a game that you love the most and a game that you
4: despise the most for whatever reason, whatever reason, personal to you. Okay, so I will say that my favorite game, look, I'm playing Apex Legends like it's going out of style right now. <laughs> I absolutely love Apex Legends. Yeah. The first Destiny, fantastic. The first Uncharted, fantastic. There are a lot of great games that I love. It's hard for me to pick like a game that I really love. I also will play any Mario game and I will play every nook and cranny of that Mario game for as much time as I possibly can. Uh, uh, But uh, there's an old Nintendo game called Metal Storm where you're like a mech. And you're running on a side-scrolling thing, and you hit a button, and you can inverse and go to the ceiling. And so you have to traverse these levels by uh, either being, uh, you know, by switching gravity. So gravity goes one way, and you can get through the level. But then you hit a point where you have to invert gravity to go through another. And then you have to fight bosses. And it's just like this, you know, very simple Nintendo game. But I played Metal Storm like it was going out of style in my youth. And uh, I don't know, like, all-time favorite game? I would have to say Metal Storm. Metal Storm. I love the gravity. That's a fun Mechanic.
0: Yeah.
2: What? Uh. What was that on? Like SNES or NES or what was that? Oh no, it was on. It was on NES. On NES. I'm an old man. That's. (laughs) You know the. You know the NES
4: where the controller looked like a calculator. (laughs) Yeah. You're grabbing it so tight. You have like
3: corner point marks (laughs) in your palms, and you're just like. Just screaming
4: and trying. For me, it was Ninja Gaiden. I was just screaming and just trying yeah. to kill it. And it had a it had a, a a one and a half foot thick black cord coming out of it, <laughs> connecting it to a brick that was plugged into your television with jumper cables. <laughs> like, what? And uh, least favorite game, I'm just going to say Mario Sunshine. I've gotten into so much trouble for this. I played Mario Galaxy, and Mario Galaxy is one of the greatest games. And I was like, you know what? I never got a GameCube. I got to go back. I went out. I bought a GameCube. I bought Mario Sunshine. And going from Mario Galaxy back in time to Mario Sunshine, I thought the game was clunky. I didn't like the spraying water. Oh, Mario, I'm spray paint I'm I'm cleaning graffiti off of walls for the stupidest looking characters in the <laughs> Mario universe and and, and uh, look, it's a beloved game, and mm. anytime I talk about it, people attack me relentlessly on Twitter. And I got news for you, Twitter people: I just don't look sometimes. <laughs> so scream all you want—you're not getting to me. I don't care what you say. Attack me all day long. I'll just take a day off of Twitter. There I need go. one anyway. Have at it, Mario Sunshine—garbage. I got the new Mario thing for the Switch with the Mario Sunshine and Galaxy and Mario sixty four, and no, I'm like, right? You know what, I'm going to give it a try again. I'm going to give it a try again. You know what, I liked it 10% more than I did before, but the game still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I agree with you. And I do think there is this thing
3: where if you, fans get a little too crazy with Mario games, because if you take it out of the Mario universe and you say, oh, would you play Mario Sunshine if it wasn't Mario, Then people Mm. would be like, oh, well, this game is whatever and there's a problem with it. But all of a sudden, if it's a Mario game, it just smooths over all of these issues. I totally agree. If it was a
4: Pillsbury Doughboy game and instead of Mario, it was the Pillsbury Doughboy, you'd be like, this Pillsbury Doughboy game is terrible. Well, uh, well, well, hold up. He's not even baking cookies. He's no rolling pin. It's completely out of
2: universe. This (laughs) game sucks. Actually, I'm kind of into it now. I kind of want a Pillsbury
3: Doughboy. Aside <laughs> from the fact we all need a Pillsbury Doughboy game.
2: Yeah. 100%. So anyway, I wanted to announce
4: that Skybound has a Pillsbury Doughboy game coming out in 2023 yes. that is going to be absolutely amazing. It's
2: a dating simulator.
4: <laughs> Pillsbury Doughboy created by the same guy that created uh, Green Lantern, by the way. What?
2: What? Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Martin Nodell. Huh. Created Whoa. the original
4: Green Lantern and also uh, supposedly created the Pillsbury Doughboy. Look, that's it's... hearsay. I don't know if that's accurate at all. That's just what I heard. I... I'm just repeating <laughs> wow. publicly something that I heard and haven't confirmed. I, I
2: love Welcome it. Welcome to I... America a... 2021. Yeah,
3: It's like being on Twitter. It's like being yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> um, well, Robert Kirkwood, thank you. This was such a, a
4: thrill for us. No, thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. And uh, keep the, you know, Mario Sunshine sucks. Keep the, keep, the, <laughs> keep it alive. Perfect.
3: I mean, I love that he played Uncharted in one sitting while his kid had the flu. Expect the impossible. Blake can do it if Kirkman did it. I'm just saying.
2: Make sure you check out Robert's latest show, Invincible, which is available now, today. Go check it out. It's on Amazon Prime with new episodes every Friday.
3: And we will be right back after this break. So please don't go anywhere. <laughs>
2: please.
0: <laughs>
2: You made it. We're we're still here. We didn't go anywhere. Uh, And we have something special for you. Another fan request today. At Marcus Aniela writes, Hey, at Aaron Blair, at OMG, it's Firefox. Hashtag GGNT. What are your favorite video game soundtracks? I feel like the right soundtrack can create an immersive experience. My personal favorites are Metal Gear Solid for PlayStation 1 and Super Mario RPG. Thanks. Here's how I think
3: about music, uh, video game soundtracks. I think about them in two categories. I think about mm-hmm. them as like orchestral. Okay. And then I think about them like, and I don't like to compare the two. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I see it's like two separate roads. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I, I guess so. So what would you consider uh, in each category for yourself? Like, what would you recommend?
3: So I think for me, for, well, let's let's both do orchestral first. I think for me, I, Last of Us is up there. That, that you know, that, that one kind of violin mm. scraping across the bow. I think it evokes a feeling, creates an audio world in an amazing way. I think Sinuous Sacrifice is great. It's got a bunch of Viking shit in there. It's cool. It evokes a world beyond our own.
2: That's pretty good. I like how you just generalized Viking stuff. Can you elaborate? Uh, you know, classic
3: Viking uh, stuff, Viking shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay.
3: hashtag just Viking things.
2: Hashtag just Viking.
3: Now, what, what's, <laughs> what's like a an orchestral epic
2: Ooh. soundtrack
3: you think of?
2: I mean, something that I feel really. Uh sells the atmosphere and is really good at setting the scene and and putting you in that time, I always go to Bioshocks. I always go to Fallouts because it's it's that like, you know, old time, like razzle-dazzle, jazzy sort of upbeat. You know, everything's great, blah, blah, blah. And then you have these like creepy, creaky, bubbling, and the the creaking underground, and and everything, yes. and water rushing, and yes. it's terrifying. And the the juxtaposition of, of the two, it makes it so oh, it just sells it so well. And I've always loved that.
3: I completely agree, and I you know what I even agree with you. I think Bioshock and and Fallout mm-hmm. might be might be my faves.
2: Yeah, I'd say um, that they're they're pretty up there. There's nothing there. like strolling past a, a blown up megaton, and you yeah. have a nice little. Little razzle dazzle, pick, <laughs> ba- 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 picking ba- up ba- your day.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Uh All right. Now, what about kind of like what about the other, the other side? The kind of looping, you know, kind of Super Mario. That kind of song. Do you have a, a fave of that nostalgic, got a nostalgic
2: yeah. sort of? I'm already like bopping my head because I can hear it. I can hear this song in my head. I. Love Hotline Miami.
3: Oh, great.
2: It's just so great. good. It's so, their soundtrack is incredible. They have a bunch of songs by Moon that it just, ah, it's so, it's so good.
3: It's awesome. Yeah. It's so I good. mean, I completely agree. So, so good. I, I, again, I think it's like when we're talking about nostalgic, you know, it's like Super Mario is great, obviously, but it's like the Beatles. How often do you <laughs> listen to the Beatles every day?
2: you just compare Mario to the Beatles?
3: All right. Well, the, the sound of Mario, I mean, it's, uh, honestly, can I say, hot take, Hotline Miami take, mm. I think uh, more people have heard the Mario theme than the Beatles.
2: <gasps> oh.
3: Is that possible?
2: Jen's mouth just dropped. Is that possible?
3: Is that possible? I don't possible? think
2: that's possible. <laughs> I think you're wrong. <laughs> I oh. Really? Right? Yeah. I don't know.
3: I don't know. Am no, I? No,
2: right. And that we? seems crazy to me.
3: Look, Garth Brooks has sold more records than the Beatles.
2: Huh. Think about
3: that. Really? That's can we, right. Can if, we
2: crunch the numbers? Are the numbers he, out there to be crunched?
3: All I'm saying is, think about Super Mario's Mario been for a long time. It's been in a lot of ads. The Beatles haven't been in a ton of ads. But anyway, all that being said, I'm loving these new kinds of games like the Texturist. Uh, I'm loving Loop Hero. Uh, I'm loving these kind of dark, pixely... You know those kinds of games have have done me done me right when it comes I to that it. stuff.
2: I but, feel it, um,
3: but yeah. And we're we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom. We're gonna do we're gonna crunch the numbers.
2: Maybe somebody else can uh, out there if you're feeling a little spicy and wanna wanna do some quick math. Uh, hashtag GGMT. Yeah. <laughs> let us know who. Yeah. Was it who? Who's more popular, Super Bo- Mario or the Beatles? <laughs> I mean,
3: look, they're both ingrained in pop culture, but I, I you know I don't know. Maybe, well, somebody maybe
2: somebody do the math. Somebody do the math and let us know.
3: <laughs> well, there you go. Thank you for uh, Mark Salania. Uh Thank you for your <laughs> uh, request. Of course, if you have a request for us, please tweet at our new, brand new Twitter handle at Good Game, Nice Try. Uh, you know, if you need a game, if you have a question, if you have a comment, if you just want to say hi, you know, if you want us to... You know, if you want to join our GoFundMe for uh, TCVR, for SVU. <laughs> Someone needs please to. Please <laughs> definitely tweet at good game, nice Try.
2: Good Game Nice Try is produced by Jen Samples and Nick Liao. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Engineering by Will Becton with engineering and sound design by Anya Zheji. Music by John Danik. Danik, Danik, Danik. I felt like I had to do it.